Folks, we have another one of the interviews we did at Kaiju Go in this episode. This one with Hugo Award-winning artist Bob Eggleton. So stay tuned in the second half of the show for that. And now, the theme song. One, two, three, four. Monster Movie. Funtime Go! Monster Movie. Funtime Go! Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, friends and neighbors, welcome to Monster Movie Fun Time Go. I am one of your hosts, Precious D. And I'm the other one of your hosts, Honey Bee. Welcome. Hello. Hi. We are two best friends making our way through the history of kaiju movies. We started in 1933 with the original King Kong, and now we are up to 1998. Ow! And the movie Deep Rising. Oh yeah, baby. Honeybee, what did you think of Deep Rising? I am... I was very impressed, to say the least, with Deep Rising. I kind of feel like Deep Rising is like Tremors meets It Came Beneath the Sea meets Deep Blue Sea, for those of you who have seen that. (laughs) Um, It was kind of like if all of those movies had an orgy and made a baby, this movie would have (laughs) happened. (laughs) Okay, it had a little bit of... um... Uh, the Poseidon adventure in it too. Mm. In that there's it's a you know a luxury ship, yeah, than a research ship. Or a... it's from 1998. It's 106 minutes. It's in color. The budget was 45 million. The box Damn. office, uh, the box office was 11.2 million. Oh, ouch. Dang, Somehow, I didn't see that coming. I, yeah, I had not heard of this film. I'd never seen it before. It's a critical and box office failure, but it has been regarded as a cult classic. Dang. What did you think? Did you think it was a failure or did you think it was a classic? No, I enjoyed it. I mean, it, <laughs> I mean, it wasn't a failure with me personally, but yeah, clearly right. it failed at the box office. <laughs> yeah, that sucks. <laughs> The director is Stephen Summers, who has made uh, one of my favorite movies, The Mummy. Oh, yeah. After this one. That's one of your favorite movies? How did I not know that? I really, yeah, I really like it. Uh, He also did Van Helsing, which is not quite so good, and G.I. Joe, The Rise of Cobra. The cast is Treat Williams as John Finnegan, Famke Jensen as Trillian St. James, Anthony Heald as Simon Canton, Kevin J. O'Connell as Joey Pantucci. Kevin J. O'Connell is in The Mummy. Mm-hmm. Wes Studi as Hanover. Apparently, uh, Summers likes to put him in his movies often. Derek O'Connor as Captain H.W. Atherton, Jason Fleming as Mulligan, Cliff Curtis as Mamuli, Clifton Powell as Mason, Trevor Goddard as T-Ray, Jamon Hansu 
as Vivo. He's in a lot of stuff these days. Mm-hmm. Una Damon as Leela. Clint Curtis as Billy. Warren Takuchi as Radar Man. Lyndon Banks as Communications Officer. Jack Ankler as Corpse. Well, damn. <laughs> and Simone as Video Vault Woman. Leanne Adachi as Toilet Lady. Melanie Carr as Dealer. Jeez. Colin McCarley as Sonar Man. Jim May as Mystery Man. Jana Summers as Party Girl. Marty Baldecci as Party Girl. And Rana Morrison as Woman on Cruise Ship. I wonder if Mystery Man <laughs> just means the person that picked up the package at one point that we don't see. Because that turns out to be somebody, I think. But we see, you know, early on they're they're mm-hmm. coming through and messing stuff up. Did I and did I miss who Layla was? Who was Layla? I think she's the Yeah, she she's the mechanic Oh, okay, the, okay. On Treat Williams ship. Who's apparently dating uh Joey. Mm-hmm. So uh she doesn't she doesn't make it <laughs> i know which is so sad because i wanted her to make it so bad because she's so fine <laughs> yeah she was quite nice gosh she was uh, gorgeous uh whew. uh so yeah uh i really liked it yeah i i, I actually i loved it i Loved it. I thought there was there was so much going on in this movie, and like there was a lot of moving parts in this movie for sure. Like there's so many different groups of people, so many different things. You don't really know what's going on at first. Um, the kind of way that they hid the kaiju for the first hour of the movie was not annoying it was very well done it wasn't like you know some movies that we see where it's like come on okay we get it like there was a lot of people shit in this movie but i felt like they did a really really great job of just making it enjoyable making it um suspenseful and keeping the action especially with the monster throughout the whole movie since we don't see it for so long really good and just action-packed suspenseful it was so good in that way of like there were moments where i was like damn this is a lot of people shit but i was never annoyed by it do you know what i mean Uh uh-huh like it was never like this is too much it was like the way that they hid the monster for the first hour of the movie was so well done and i really appreciated that (laughs) well let's just dive in so to speak to the plot (laughs) (laughs) which i got from wikipedia (laughs) thank you thank you wikipedia amidst a storm captain john finnegan and his crew joey pantucci and leela are hired by mercenaries hanover mulligan mason billy t ray and mamuli and vivo to pilot their boat across the south china sea to an undisclosed rendezvous point folks if you want to charter a boat, <laughs> do not take jobs going to some mysterious point for a mysterious reason. You should always know with, why you're going. And with mysterious you're going. cargo. Yeah. 
There's no way they put that cargo on the boat and no one was like, I mean, I know part of the deal was like, no questions, but I mean, come on now. Ask a few yeah, questions. Never, <laughs> just never take, never take a no questions job ever. <laughs> uh, meanwhile, the Argonautica, a luxury cruise ship built and owned by Simon Canton, is undertaking its maiden voyage while a saboteur disables the ship's navigation and communication systems. I guess that was a mystery man. Maybe uh-huh. it was another character because Simon might have been busy while that was going on. I had a problem with the name of this ship. It was bugging yeah, me. Yeah, it was the Argonautica. <laughs> like, so what? The, <laughs> well, the th- it's the Argonautica is a poem about the Argonauts who are the crew of the Argo. So if you want to name a ship after that, you should just call it the Argo, not the poem about the Argonauts. It's just really weird. Maybe they did that to sound fancier and richer because it was a pleasure ship. Ooh. I guess. I just couldn't, I just didn't understand what he was saying. Like in the whole first, I didn't understand what the ship name was until later on when everything's Uh destroyed and you actually like the camera pans by and it actually says like Argo Nautica. I was like, oh, because when he's saying it during his like cheers, the captain, you know, it just sounds like he's saying, I literally wrote down Argonanaga question mark spelled a r g a n a n a g e h h h h h like what is it like what is he saying because i could not figure it out yeah no i looked it up because i i know what an argonaut is but i was like what the fuck is an argonautica what is what's an what's what's an argonaut they're the sailors on the argo it's a the old it's an old greek legend which which is told in the Argonautica, apparently. I don't think it's the only source for it. <laughs> uh, you've never seen Jason and the Argonauts? Nope. No. Well, it's a movie about that. Jason is a Greek hero who goes on a voyage seeking the Golden Fleece mm. and assembles a bunch of other heroes with him. So, like, Hercules is a supporting character in the Argonautica. Oh. So this, this guy Argo, I think, is actually the name of the ship builder, and then they name the ship after him. And mm-hmm. the people that crew the ship are the Argonauts. Ooh. And the poem that tells their story is the Argonautica. Uh, like how the story of Odysseus is told mm-hmm. in the Odyssey. Right. Okay. So, um, but I, I um, so I, I knew about Jason and the Argonauts, but I had not known that the poem itself was called the Argonautica. It's just, I don't know, it just struck me as a weird thing. Just call it the Argo. It's funny. <laughs> uh, anyway, a large object rises from beneath and rams the vessel, leaving it dead in the water. And the panicking passengers are attacked and slaughtered by unseen creatures. Well, geez. Okay, hold on a second. We got to back up a little bit. So we see the mystery man come in and like, you know, it's so cool seeing all of this like tech from 98 because it's like a bunch of these bulky ass computers and like CD-ROMs and just all of these things that now just look so silly and bulky and goofy, you know? Um, I really love that. Just, you know, we get to see all of this kind of old tech was really cool. Am I remembering this right, or was this a different movie? 
because I think the same thing happened in another movie. He takes out a bunch of green CDs and puts in red CDs, or did he just put in different CDs? Yeah, he just um, one of the, yeah, he puts in different ones and then breaks the other ones, I guess. Okay, in one of the Godzilla movies, they were color-coded, so you knew they were bad CDs because <laughs> they were red. And they took out That's the funny. Ones. No, it wasn't but, yeah, this, this one. one he, he puts in other CDs and then he breaks the originals so that it can't be the system can't be restored right yeah he melts it from the core so we get to see kind of everyone you know in the ship freaking out because they've lost all of communications and all of the power to all of this stuff but then there's one guy whose sonar is working question mark and he sees that something is coming um from the bottom of the ship coming up and we, we get this big speech too from the captain um, which is kind of important because he talks about how this is his life's work and this was his dream to build this ship and for it to be the most luxurious, uh, biggest pleasure ship for the richest people, blah, blah, blah. Um, and then we do, we, you know, we see the, okay, he's a, this thing is coming in on us. It's 160 meters, 150 meters. But before all of this, don't we get a little bit of um, like Tucci kind of snooping around and figuring out that there are missiles or torpedoes on the little boat? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. We get a little bit of what's going on with those guys. And uh, yeah, but he finds the missiles. We also get Famke Jensen running around picking pockets and stuff. Yeah. Trying to break into. Uh, trying to break into the big safe on the ship and getting mm-hmm. caught and locked up they say they say don't we have a brig on this ship yes we do no they don't they just have a fucking closet with a lock on it it's not a, <laughs> and not it a has all brig. of the booze in it like they just locked her yeah. in this closet with all the like booze and all the food like here is your punishment and she's just like pops open yeah. a bottle of champagne <laughs> yeah we never get the full story on her and what her damn, what her whole deal is. I mean, yeah. obviously she's some kind of professional crook. Yeah, who's wanted in several different places for a burglary, attempted murder, all of these Ooh. things. <laughs> so uh, then... Um, during the attack, uh, a, sp- a speedboat gets knocked loose and turned on, mm-hmm. or maybe it's just floating around. I, I think it's, it's just, just floating. floating yeah. yeah, but they're heading so fast. Finnegan's boat is hitting is heading so fast it hits this speedboat, and uh, during the collision, uh, I'm sorry, uh, speedboat shaken loose from the Argonautica during the collision, prompting Finnegan to exasperatedly. <laughs> ask what uh now what because this is his catchphrase <laughs> that he repeats the film. <laughs> it is at this point that the mercenaries take over and reveal they intend to rob the argonauticals passengers and vault before sinking the ship with torpedoes stowed aboard the boat but we get this really great moment and it's our first kind of like 
we have a little bit of violence like in the beginning where like this Tucci guy is like snooping and then they like beat the shit out of him and then his girlfriend is like you gotta do something and then they like have this kind of standoff so we kind of get a little bit of character building we kind of know who our characters are in this moment who's who who's dating who whatever um but then we get like when the chaos happens and the boat gets hit and all these people are like freaking the fuck out which i mean obviously um, this woman goes into a bathroom and locks herself in the bathroom and then she's sitting on the toilet and she gets <laughs> sucked through the toilet yeah. and it's and like blood <laughs> splatters everywhere and it's just like so it, it really sets the scene for the um, death count in this movie which I'm not sure what it is but mm. it is high and it it really just is so it's so good. It's one of those movies where every single um, death, you're like, oh, or like, ooh, you know, like some people get like sucked up like spaghetti noodles. We get a lot of like <laughs> spitting them back out and like there's all like the corpses everywhere and it's just like so gruesome and so like in that very action-y movie way, which reminds me too, the music in this movie was so um, adventure you know, like every time the music starts, it's just like very like, very ocean-y, like very sharky, but also just very like, we're going on an adventure, there is action happening right now, watch <laughs> this woman get sucked through a toilet. It's so good. It was so good, so gruesome, so well, good. The music is by Jerry Goldsmith, who did the score for five Star Trek films, three oh. Rambos, Logan's Run, Planet of the Apes, Damn. Gremlins, Total Recall, The Mummy, among others. So, hey, yeah, he he is definitely uh, an artist in his craft because <laughs> the music was fantastic. And just so adventure Every time the music started, I was like, yeah, here we go. We're going on an adventure. <laughs> the group boards the ship, leaving Leela and Billy behind to repair the boat, where they are both killed by the creatures. And that's no. where we get the corpse. The guy who's actually credited as a her. corpse is in that scene. I loved yeah. her. I wanted her to make it so bad. The group reaches the ballroom only to find blood and no signs of the passengers. And something moves and they freak out and just open fire with their great big guns. And then do it again. Then they do it again just for fun. Yeah, yeah. I love this too, how we have this very distinct like good guys and bad guys for quite a bit in the movie. Mm -hmm. Like we have a very, they're very like obviously one group and another group. And at some point in the movie, they kind of have to band together and just become the guys, you know? And I really, really, really appreciated that. And I loved how distinct it was in the beginning and then how slowly over the movie, they're just like, (laughs) fuck, we got to do this together because we're all going to fucking die. You know, it was really good. Yeah. Although it does seem like there's something shady about Finnegan. There's, it's never fully explained, but there's implications that he has a bad reputation. He may have fucked yeah. up in the past. Yeah, but I think that it's he's not like one of those bad guys that we see typically who's like kind of sleazy and kind of schmoozy. Like he owns it. You know, he knows that he's a yeah. shit and he really just like plays into that very, very well. It's probably one of those things where he did the wrong thing for the right reason and got in trouble for it. Yeah, totally. Uh, Let's see. Finnegan and Joey go to the ship's workshop to scavenge parts to repair the boat. 
Meanwhile, T-Ray goes off to investigate strange noises and is torn to shreds by the creatures. <laughs> Mamuli contacts Hanover, but is dragged off by the unseen creatures, forcing Finnegan and Joey to flee. They run into a woman named Trillian, a passenger who was imprisoned for stealing. Me, that's Famke Jensen. Yeah, and Meanwhile, she obviously Hanover's has group, no idea what's going on because she's been locked in this room so she yeah. doesn't realize that all of the passengers like they can't find any of the passengers you know so they automatically are like where are they where are the passengers and she's like sleeping like she has no idea what's going on <laughs> <laughs> meanwhile hanover's group reaches the vault and vivo opens it only to be mistakenly killed by canton who was oh. hiding inside the vault along with captain atherton and three other passengers Oh, this one was good, too, because it's just like a, the axe, you know? He just gets the axe yeah. to the face, and you're not expecting it. There's a lot of good jump scares in this movie. Some of them you are expecting because of the music and because of just, like, how they're placed. <laughs> but this was a really good one where I was just like, oh, shit, you know, like, was not expecting it. Especially not expecting it to be the captain because... <laughs> We don't know what's going on. Like, we haven't seen the creatures yet. We've only heard them. And they're kind of like growly whale sounds, kind of. Like a whale sound mixed with, like, a growl of some sort. So you, you just yeah. really don't know what's going on. And then, like, all of a sudden, this axe just flying through the air, just shing. It was, it was a good one. It was a good one. Uh, Mason and Mulligan panic and accidentally kill the passengers. Canton and Atherton explain to the mercenaries that the ship has been attacked by unknown creatures that killed everyone else on board. Under questioning, Canton is found to be the saboteur, having hired the mercenaries to sink the unprofitable ship so that he could collect on the insurance. I believe 487.6 million dollars. He spent so much on the ship, there was no way he could turn a profit. And uh, is it Joey who says it? Somebody's like, so you did all this because you got the math wrong? <laughs> yeah, I really love Joey's a, character. He's yeah. I loved his character so much. Also, he, the mushing of the passengers' guts uh, when they're, like, walking down this hallway after they have this conversation about, like, you fucking did this on purpose, you piece of shit is just chef's kiss the sound effects of just the crunching and the mushing <laughs> of the dead bodies you know it's in that it's it's that very like you know when you watch a movie and shit's like too real you're like ugh, like i can't do it but this is just so over the top and so like just really the movie you're just really in it and it's 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 very well done i love the sound effects yeah. of this movie joey was benny in the mummy by the way, folks, if you if you don't mm, recognize the mm -hmm. actor's name. And as I was watching this, I was like, you know, Treat Williams could have been the lead. I, I think um, Brendan Fraser was better, but I could see if he hadn't done it or that he, he could have gone with Treat Williams instead. Similar kind mm. of character. Yeah, very, very similar. Uh, the group is attacked by creatures resembling giant spike covered tentacles which eat <laughs> atherton but they're tentacles with mouths on the end 
Yeah, and we don't see them. Canton. Like, we don't actually see the tentacles until about 55 minutes in. The movie's like an hour yes. and maybe 45 minutes or so, but we don't even actually yeah. get to see them. It's all like we just see like a flash of like a person all of a sudden disappearing or jumping up and leaving or like they're scared like, uh, hello, who's there? And then just like gone. And it's actually 55 minutes, an entire hour into the movie before we even see the tentacles with the mouths. And usually I really hate that. Usually it's like, come on already, like what the hell? But I'm telling you, they really did such a good job with this. And the tentacles, the monsters look amazing. Yes, yes they do. Uh, Canton theorizes that the creatures are an extreme evolution of the Otia which drain their victims of their body bodily fluids and then eject the carcasses. He turns out to be incorrect in this because they are worm creatures, not what it turns out to be. The survivors flee, but Mason is grabbed by a creature and kills himself by detonating a grenade. Mulligan elects to stay behind in the cruise galley until a rescue party can arrive while arguing with the others as the creature slips in through the range hood. Mulligan scares it off with fire, but is ambushed and devoured by another. In a running battle, the survivors find themselves being herded towards the bow of the ship where they find a feeding ground full of bloody skeletal remains. Attempting to rid himself of any witnesses to his insurance scam, Canton misleads the others to the bow where he moves towards an exit route. The creatures break through the hull, flooding the lower decks and separating the survivors. Also... The uh, Finnegan and Trillian, the, this whole movie, you know, they kind of have these moments. Like, all of this is going on, right? All the stuff you're talking about, like, they're hurting them. All of this stuff, people are dying mm. left and right. And I'm, like, thinking to myself, like, if you're in this, like, situation, if you're in a situation like this, like, do you have time or, like, do you have the energy or the desire is it like just human nature to, like, flirt with someone in your group or, like, give them, like fuck me eyes every now and then yes, like i'm absolutely. just wondering is like the, is, it, is that realistic is this the, really happening is this our trauma bonding a, moment the, <laughs> yes the middle of a deadly crisis is absolutely the best time to try to make a connection. you gotta yeah, they take have your a, like, chance yeah, they have yeah. a few yeah i get i guess so he who hesitates masturbates i guess but they have like so many moments <laughs> where they just um like all of this shit is going on and it's so crazy and then they just have these like one-liners you know with each other or like they make this deal where if they get out alive and she's like if you take me with you let's make a deal if, if you take me with you and he's like i can have anything i want and she's like yeah you can have anything you want and he's like can i get a cold beer like it's just like so like oh my <laughs> gosh and then there's like another point too where like the herding thing is going on and they're like being herded to the bow of the ship and they have this like moment between the two of them where they just like have this like they just kind of like i don't know he like winks at her or like they just have this like one-liner back and forth where it's just like i'm like really is that what we're doing right now do we have fucking time for this like flirty nonsense <laughs> like god god damn it yep. would you focus <laughs> uh Hanover wounds Joey in an attempt to slow the creatures, but Joey escapes. Joey oh. later finds Hanover being devoured by one of the creatures. As an oh act of mercy, he leaves Hanover a gun, but Hanover wastes his only shot trying to kill Joey. And Dude, this, 
This part what was crazy. Dick. It was so crazy when they're running and he's like, Wait, how are we going to slow him down? Joey says, like, how are we going to slow him down? And then Hanover's like, we got it. The only way to slow him down is to feed him. And he's like, I only have, like, a stick of gum and a peppermint. What are we going to feed him? And he just turns around and, like, cat that dude in the fucking kneecap. Just, yep. just shoots him and he falls. I was like, holy shit. I never saw that coming. And then whenever he runs back into Hanover and he is being devoured, and he has the gun, you really think that he's going to do this, like, mercy killing, where he's just going to kill him so he doesn't have to go through this, like, misery. And he (laughs) instead gives, hands him the gun, says, don't say I never gave you nothing, and walks away. (laughs) The man has two bullets, two bullets left. He fires them both at Tucci (laughs) instead of killing himself. Then goes to put the yeah. gun to his head and no bullets left. I was like, you yeah. deserve well, Joey, it, you little prick. <laughs> Joey probably should have just shot him himself. but He should have. He absolutely should have. But he's too good of a guy. Like, he's too good of a guy to actually kill someone. He doesn't. It's like, he, it's just not. It's not in him. You know, he doesn't have that, like, yeah. sick, sick fuck in him who wants to just, like, he's like, there's enough people have been dead he's been separated from his poor girlfriend he doesn't even know she's dead but i'm sure that he has some sort of you know <laughs> inkling that maybe she's dead that maybe she hasn't made it and he's just a really yeah. good dude and he's just kind of goofy and he didn't want to kill anybody there's enough it's like enough people dying on this fucking boat so he does the right thing and then he still tries to shoot him i was not that that moment took me for a loop i was yeah. like wow holy shit <laughs> Finnegan and Trillian spot an island and return to Finnegan's boat, but having lost the engine parts, find it useless no. as a means of escape. Joey returns and begins improvised repairs, and Finnegan sets the boat's autopilot to crash into the Argonautica and detonate the torpedoes. Trillian returns to the cruise ship and locates a jet ski with the fuel <laughs> they can use to reach the island, but Canton arrives armed with a flare gun. Canton asks Trillian to join him or hand over the keys, but she flees and he chases her. Finnegan pursues Canton to the ballroom on the main deck, saving Trillian. The creatures smash through the the main deck and are revealed to be tentacles of a vast deep sea monster. The Octolus. I didn't know what it had a name. I didn't either. Rather than individual entities. Damn. That's just what the production notes call it. It's so crazy. It is so crazy. It is, if you couldn't tell from that name, it is a mutated octopus that apparently has been sitting in some central location <laughs> sending its tentacles out to get stuff. Well, it's like this these these mountains under the sea or something. Like, it says in the beginning of the movie that there's the, you know, it like does a thing in the beginning where there's just like words and they're like, it's like some mountain range under the sea and like several people have like gone and died and not been found and blah, blah, blah. And apparently this, this dude's just been hanging out there eating, eating people, <laughs> eating the people that venture yeah. out that far into the it's a, Chinese it's sea. It's a very, it's a very gross mutated octopus looking thing. It is The so octopus sick. grabs hold of Finnegan who shoots it in the eye, blinding it and freeing himself. Oh. And he and Trillian escape on a jet ski. This whole jet ski 
part is just <laughs> crazy. Just going up and down the corridors. And they start to jump off a little ramp thing, but then they have to turn oh, around. Cause... Shit. The jet ski part is just like, just so funny. It's just so hilarious. I loved it so much. It's just absolutely ridiculous and amazing. And I just, oh yes. man, I couldn't get enough of it. And it goes on for way longer than it should, which made it even better. <laughs> Canton flees the Argonautica by jumping onto Finnegan's boat, but he breaks his leg doing so. Yeah, Crippled, that's what you he is get, unable you to bitch. disable the autopilot and Slimy dies as the boat bitch. crashes into the Argonautica. Yeah, eat it. Eat your fucking life's work, you bastard. <laughs> Detonating the torpedoes and destroying both ships and the Octolus. Get a load of these Finnegan torpedoes. and Trillian reach the island where they find and reunite with Joey, yay, whom they yay! thought had died. Oh my gosh, I was so comes, happy. Here comes the best here comes the best part. So yeah, they're about to start making out and then Joey shows up. Yeah, they actually do kiss. They're not like, yeah, they're like, yeah. Uh, oh, we. He's like, now we're stranded on this island, and she's just like, <laughs> and then all of a sudden, Joey's like floating into the sea, like with his fucking shot ass leg. Like, watch the leg, watch the leg. <laughs> I was so shocked to see him. I, I was so happy to see him because I was so sad when I thought he was dead. I was like, no, no. Uh, I'm always. I'm always amused by your uh, makeout technique there. <laughs> uh, anyway, as the this is the best part here. As the three are catching their breath, a loud roar echoes from the jungle. The camera pulls back, revealing the island to have an active volcano in the distance as something big comes <laughs> crashing through the trees towards the beach. Finnegan is then heard saying, now what? Now what? One last time. <laughs> so, 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 so the general, good. The general uh, belief among the viewers seems to be that this is uh, Skull Island and that is Kong coming through Yay! the trees at them, which I'm sure is the intention. So, uh, yeah, a lot of the autofill on the internet is is deep rising a prequel to king kong oh so sick what a good oh so freaking good man i loved this movie i loved this movie so much i was i can't believe i had never even heard of it or seen it because it's very much like in that you know like in that uh time of movies like you said like the mummy like uh Where even Tremors, it really like it's just kind of like one of those movies in the late '90s, early 2000s, where it was like monster movie, action, dudes with guns, huh? The Mummy comes out a year later. Yeah. And I was a fan of Treat Williams, so I don't know how it is I had never heard of it or seen it. It seems like a kind of thing that would have been on HBO all the time, but I never came across my radar. I know it's probably because it sucked so but, bad, yeah, like it didn't do so well. But I can't believe that it's so good. It has all the comedy in it is so good. Yeah, but there's a lot of movies like that that then do well on cable or on rental or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, hmm. it says here that Famke Jensen almost didn't get the part because they thought she was too recognizable from Goldeneye, but they relented. Harrison Ford turned down the role of John Finnegan. 
Okay. Oh. Which later went to Treat Williams, and the film's budget was later downsized. Weren't, weren't. <laughs> That's fine. Dang. They did a fine job with the budget they, did they a, had. It was they really. It was a big fucking budget. Good lord. Perfectly acceptable. The uh, tagline on the poster here is "Full scream ahead." Oh yeah. Oh, so good. I, I'll tell you. I will definitely be watching this movie again. I it is like a movie that I have added to my like list of movies in my brain that are just like, you know, you have those like staple movies where you just need to watch a movie that you know and love and that's just like, you know, like for me, Deep Blue Sea is one of those movies. That is one I know every word to it. It's like one of my favorite movies ever. Is it a great movie? Yeah, to me. You know what I mean? It's good. But it's just like one of those movies where it's a staple. I feel like this movie has definitely been added to that because it's so good. It's funny. There's so much action in it. Like the one-liners are just hilarious. It's very 90s. The CGI for the movie is really, really freaking good. I'd say not just for its time, but especially because... And it's probably too early to say this, but the next movie that we talk about is in the same year. And you can really see a difference in like the animation bits of, you know, the movie. <laughs> so it's like, it's just so, it's so well done. And like I said, the, the mystery of the movie in, we don't know who like fucked up the technology and the core and the boat for a long time. And then we find out that the captain is a sleaze ball, but he keeps like, he gets sleazier by the scene, you know? Where he's, like, yeah. trying to, like, help people out, and then he's not. And just all of the things. It, it had everything. It is such a good movie. It's five stars from me. Um, I, I will definitely be watching this movie again, for sure. 100%. <laughs> um, I'm going to go ahead and give it five stars as well. What the hell? It is not streaming free anywhere. Yes, it, it is. It is available to rent. It oh, is. Where did you I, find it? I found it on YouTube. I watched it on YouTube. Hmm. Well, yep. uh, that's weird because it, um, it may be on YouTube unofficially. It is also on there officially to rent or to buy. Yes, it is. Someone uploaded it to YouTube. That's where I watched <laughs> I it. I see. I got the physical disc from Netflix while while you still can. Oh. Because um, that's about to end. Yeah, Entertainment Studio uploaded it a few years ago. That's how I watched it. Apparently in some regions, it's on Disney Plus, but not in our region. What? But we, yeah. But we do have some international listeners, so see if your local version of Disney Plus has it. It's so good. Five stars. Five stars from both of us. Yes, absolutely. I'm going to look up. Somebody did a video here on the kill count. Nice. I'm just going to see if I can find it real quick because I'm not going to watch a half hour video. <laughs> oh, man. I mean, it's, it's basically It's got to be big. Yeah, it's everybody except entire... for three people. <laughs> Every single person in this movie died except for three people. So really the kill count is like, it's better to say who didn't die in this movie. Oh, yeah, these three. Yeah. So um, Finnegan, Tillian, every... and Joey. Yeah. Every... Uh, tr trillion. Every single passenger. So it's really basically how many how many passengers. On both boats. 400, 434 passengers. Damn. 
So, plus all of the various named characters. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But it's so cool, because, so, yeah. like, the, especially the named Most characters. Most of those we don't see. Yeah. Yeah. But especially, like, the named characters, like, we get that group of, like, dudes in the, in the boat, you know, and... And the smaller boat. And we get, we kind of like have, we get to spend a lot of time with them. I feel like we kind of like each of them have their own personalities and their own things. Like there's one guy who's like obsessed with women. And then there's like the other guy who's like puking his guts up because he hates the sea. And like we get so much of like these characters. So when they die and they have like the each individual death scenes, you know, um, it's just, it's just so good. It's so good. It's just like, Oh, man, I really love this movie. I'm so glad we got to watch it, and I loved it. I loved it. I loved it. Go watch it. Okay, we are still at Kaiju Go, and we are talking to Bob Eggleton, and his wife, Marianne Plumridge, is right next to him, but doesn't want to talk because she's shy. But I want to tell you folks that she has an awesome Robbie the Robot print sitting here that might possibly walk out with me later. Uh, Bob, you are a very well-known and highly decorated, is that the right word? Kind of, yeah. Artist. Would be, yeah. What, nine Hugo Awards? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Multiple other things? Yep. Uh, is it mostly for Godzilla and Godzilla-related No, stuff, no, I, I do a lot of science of- fiction art in general. I've always been a big science fiction fan from way back in the day, in the 60s. And uh, I got into comics and science fiction, but, but, but before all that was dinosaurs yeah and i went through the whole what they call the dinosaur phase yeah and it never stopped jay key from toko toy town has the same story he was a dinosaur kid dinosaur geek and then my mother in her wisdom bought me because she didn't like dinosaurs the godzilla ideal game from 1964 it's the first piece of merchandising in the united states um and it was this game and it had this brilliant dinosaur on dinosaur in quotes and he was zapping new york city the brooklyn bridge was collapsing the whole bit i just fell in love with it It it's a 69 cent board game. do you still have that i have the original board and i bought another nice uh, rather good copy of the of the of the the game itself because i'm guessing that probably goes for a few bucks about six seven hundred bucks yeah yeah Oh, I hate going on eBay and looking for things I used to own. Oh, I know. <laughs> and, 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 and we say the things that we try to make collector's items, they'll never be collector's items, but no. the things that accidentally became collector's items are what they are because they were so disposable. And she, anyway, she bought me this game, and it was just the simplest, silliest game. It's like you take track, and then you get radiation poisoning during the game. <laughs> I mean, this is going through a, the, the mind of a six-year-old, you right. know, like, oh, you stepped on his track, so now he has radi- you have radiation poisoning. And um, so you go to the hospital and you get cured of it. And then, but that's a timeout in the game. So your competitor <laughs> can get ahead of you. Mm-hmm. And you got to get to the center of stair where you fire three missiles and kill Godzilla. But you can't, we, we all know you can't you really can, kill Godzilla. I was going to say, you can't kill him so with anyway, three so, missiles. So, so, so I, I'd seen that. And then I started pursuing this Godzilla, this mysterious Godzilla. And I finally, they started in the late 60s, early 70s. They started showing at small theaters mom-and-pop theaters in our area, they started showing things like King Kong versus Godzilla on the big screen. Mm -hmm. And Universal Studios would 
rent this out, would, would, would rent these films out. Because we didn't have DVDs. We didn't have VHS. Right. We didn't right. have any of that. And maybe one would show up on TV, but you see it to see on the big screen for children's matinee for 50 cents. And parents get ready for the day, and you just drop you off. They go off to the Christmas shopping, and they come back, pick you up two hours later after you've seen the movie. And that's how we saw movies. And, and that's the first big screen Godzilla I think I saw was King Kong versus Godzilla. But that's a shared thing with a lot of people. Then... On 1970 or 71, the Channel 7 Sunday afternoon movie showed the original 56 Godzilla. And then after that, I saw uh, they had Monster Zero mm-hmm. on, t- on TV. Because yeah. I saw a dad for something called Monster Zero, and I was like, oh, my God, I lo- this is awesome. And my dad was going, you know, this looks great. It's got flying saucers and monsters and everything in it. And they were advertising it with War of the Gargantuas as a double feature. And then later it came to TV, to the primetime movie on, on, um, on um, uh, the primetime movie on this local channel, VHF, uh, UHF channel. Right. And uh, that means, you, UHF means you had to, for anybody who doesn't know what that means, it's, it's, it's they're, they're ultra high frequency channels and you had to go to a, uh, go off and, and it would be like, you like change a, the you change the thing 13. and you'd have to like yes you you'd, have to, you'd have to change <laughs> and, use a different and use antenna a dial they use the circular and, antenna yeah and you'd use like the clicking antenna mm-hmm. and adjust the rabbit ears on yeah, the tv yeah. set and maybe you'd get that signal from boston maybe. in <laughs> and it'd be a little less snowy than it was you mm-hmm. know the day before so we get them in we get them in usually pretty clearly on a good day and they had something they started on saturday afternoons called creature double feature in the Boston area. And what they did at Creature Double Features, they showed monster movies of all kinds. And in the 1970s, there was a monster boom. We had Famous Monsters of Filmland, which was selling 300,000 copies apiece. And all the kids like monsters. We all like oh, Universal Monsters. We liked um, Godzilla, especially. And there was just never enough Godzilla, it seems. So then... Um, there was really in the United States at that time in the seventies there was a a monster boom where they were they were showing Godzilla movies in American International Pictures was renting out Godzilla versus the thing, i.e. Mothra versus Godzilla. Yep. And Destroy All Monsters. That mm-hmm. was a double feature I saw with Yogg Monster from Space. And <laughs> these are all things I just kinda walked into and I said, Oh my god, I love this stuff. And I was <laughs> twelve at the time, you You're know. Right? And and then I would come home and draw pictures of them and what i remember seeing of them not i because it's very hard to find pictures of these things so i i was i i would use what i would do to to and, and reimagine what i saw and the big one that was destroy all monsters that was a biggie for me and uh later on um you know it just got more and more and then we had started seeing you know, and we got in the 1990s, and it, it started really, you know, they were making more Godzilla movies in Japan, and more toys would come out, um, and they were toys unlike we'd ever saw in the United States, so, uh-huh. um, and then now Godzilla is, like, mainstream. Yeah, yeah. He's, uh, he is absolutely very mainstream. right now, so many projects coming out. Legendary Pictures works. has over a billion dollars, uh, two billion dollars uh, revenue from the four movies they did. Yeah. And the merchandising is great. And then we got another, we got the Godzilla uh, minus one coming yep. out. Then we have Godzilla and Kong, the new empire. Yep. And uh, we have a Godzilla Apple TV Apple show. Apple TV, Godzilla. Um, it's called Monsterverse or something like that now. 
or they keep changing the titles monarch. of it. Something to do monarch, with monarch. Monarch. Um, and um, and we got like Gamera on a coming up yeah, next week or Gamera so. Anime with, uh, soon on Gamera Netflix. anime and um, uh, I mean we got Godzilla Singular Point. Yep. Um, it's it's pretty amazing actually. It's pretty amazing. It's an exciting time to be alive if you're a kaiju fan absolutely it is on. yeah there, i just uh discovered a new uh mecha versus kaiju type uh cartoon on netflix uh mecha cadets wow just I started. Seen it's that based one. on that's a, a that... boom comic oh right okay and uh, yeah that's, that a, one. that's a netflix so it focuses more on the mecha but they're fighting kaiju from outer space right so right. uh there's a and there's a was it Super Robot Brothers? Mm-hmm. Came out last year, I think, on Netflix. And then everything went Similar Shin. Thing. Everything's Shin. Shin. Shin Godzilla, Shin Ultraman, Shin, Shin Master Rider. There's some and guy on YouTube saying they should just put Shin in front of everything. Just take your favorite movie and put Shin in front of it. Yeah, Shin Star Trek. You know, so I mean, there you just, go. You know, um, just, yeah, exactly. It's because it's, that's what the big thing is. Everybody loves, everybody loves Kaiju, you know, <laughs> and... and uh, you know, and they may not admit they love it, but sometimes they really do. Because I find a lot of science fiction fans are like that. I go to these yeah. science fiction conventions, the World Science Fiction. I used to go there a lot. That's where I got the Hugos from. Yeah. And what was happening was, is you get these people, and they're all, like, oh, you know, too cool, too cool. Too cool. And then they come inside, they say, "Hey, that guy, it was really cool. I really, you know, I just want to tell you that, you know, like that." And you know, and 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 I would give a presentation on Godzilla movies at these things, and it would be standing room only. So. You know, don't don't tell me the interest is there. Yeah, you know, and I was yeah. trying to tell people, and now it's become like sort of a uh, kaiju, or like epic modern mythology. It's yeah. like dragons were in the Middle Ages and stuff like that. Now we have kaiju because, and it could be extended Pacific Rim, yeah. it could send to Godzilla, it could send to everything. There are these mysterious beasts that come out of somewhere, and not necessarily dinosaurs, not necessarily explicable, but they just mysterious beasts. Yeah. Well, we were just at G Fest. We saw you there, but we knew we'd yeah. be seeing you here, yeah, so yeah, we yeah. didn't. We just kind of waved as we went by. But uh, yeah, if you go to that, you can see how big the enthusiasm yeah. for this genre is. Yeah, it is, and it's it's huge. I mean, G Fest went. I I used to go to G Fest. I was telling one of the guys here, 150 people there. Right. It started off maybe almost 30 years ago, mm-hmm. and it was the um, 28th one, but. That's not counting the two years they had to skip, I think. Yeah, and there's also something called, there was something called G-Con and uh, Kaiju-Con. They did all these different name changes over the years, and they were trying to kind of, um, you know, they were going through their own thing. And it was just, we didn't, people really, you know, we, 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 it would, you'd hear about it, and you get little flyers. Well, there's going to be this thing in Chicago, and like, oh, cool, be, the dealer's room is as big as what you're looking at me around that was it. Maybe mm-hmm. half a dozen dealers. Wow. And you'd get, they'd bring, they finally would bring like Koichi Kawakita from Japan. And he came over for one early G-Fest, uh, G-Fest and, and it was big. And then they brought Robert Scott Field. He came over for an early G-Fest. And, um, and the biggie, the biggie in 2010 was when we got Akira Takarada to come over. And he became the godfather of G-Fest. Mm-hmm. And he became a personal friend of mine, which is really nice. His family and everything. They're wonderful, wonderful people. And here I was when I was 10 years old watching Godzilla, King of the Monsters, and Monster Zero starring Akira Takarada, not having a clue that years <laughs> later the guy would be a friend of mine. Right, right. And there's That's something exciting. really great in that. And then I was a running extra in the movie Godzilla against Mechagodzilla yeah, in I 2003. Saw, too. I saw that on your resume. 
and that was fun. It was like 10 hours of shooting, running in heat like we have out here in Texas. Yeah. Like that, running with long pants on and a jacket on because I had to look like spring. That's right. what they were that's what they're telling everybody. So I said, you know, so we're almost collapsing from heat exhaustion. And after 10 hours of shooting, I wind up in it for like a two two seconds. Sure. sure. You can see me just running. You see yeah. this guy running along like this guy running along yeah. And 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 oh my God, there I am, like that way in the back. And then we find out from the director Masaki Tezuka, he had said to me because he got to know me really well, and he says, "Oh, if I if I he goes if I was knowing you were going to be there, I would have made a scene for you, I made a scene for you." And it's like, oh, cool, all right, yeah. So so um, it's just fun to like, it's fun to be part of all of this and have it come part of me and uh, you know, and I've always loved this stuff and I do lots of science fiction, I do lots of stuff. And but Kaiju's a big part of it to me. I have um, illustrated edition of King Kong coming out from MBI Books oh, in the fall. It's going to cool. be really ten color pieces of artwork. That's exciting. Um, and I've got is this the uh, the novelization? Yes, the novelization. Okay. Yeah. I so I couldn't show the film Kong for various rights reasons, but I had to invent my own my own kind of King Kong. Okay. Yeah, I have a copy of that, but it does not have illustrations. <laughs> yeah, and and this will be a big beautiful cool. slipcase in the whole nine cool. yards and um then i'm doing some other godzilla related things that one is a toy project and then uh uh you know there'll be a, a variant of the godzilla rivals comic book by matt frank mm-hmm. so space godzilla and that will be coming out august 30th with my cover as a as an alternate cover oh, great now of all these awards you've won is there any particular one that stands out that you're most proud of Probably, I, I well, the Godzilla Society of North America gave me the Mangled Skyscraper Award for my contributions, mm-hmm. and I also won a Rondo Award for my famous Monsters covers, and that was a, there's a one-offs, which is okay. nice. Yeah. The Hugo was kind of fun, but I won it from 1994 through 2004, with a couple of years exceptions. So, um, I just look at it like, and that was for my science fiction stuff. And so, that wasn't even for necessarily what you see in front of you, Godzilla and stuff like that. So, yeah. Is there any character that you have not worked on that you would like to, a dream project? Oh, man. Hmm. Don't know, really. Okay. Uh, <laughs> well, that means you're lucky. It means you've got yeah, to work on all the stuff them, you yeah. really wanted to work on. Yeah. Okay. So, and then I look at Godzilla as a kind of, li- it's a concept. Godzilla is a concept. If you put four artists in a room and ask to do a four different type godzillas you'd have four different godzillas right and that's what's kept him alive for 70 years yeah is that he's changed he's come from the serious serious mutated radioactive lizard he's become kind of a superhero in the 70s and then he got serious again and then he became kind of kind of when we got to 2014 he kind of sort of became a hero again you know what i mean just you know he's defending earth because we screwed it up you know what i mean and um that works out really, you know, I mean, it's, 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 and, and, you know, it's just Godzilla as a concept and, and yeah. So, yeah. Well, they're about to open the door soon. All right. Here at Kaiju Go. So we will let, let you go, but thank Thanks you so very much, much, thank much you. for talking to us. Thank you. Before we go, we've got a little bit of Kaiju news, which is going to be old news by the time this episode comes out. There is a new official trailer for Godzilla minus one, which you yeah. can find on YouTube. And we don't have an exact date, but Monarch Legacy of Monsters is supposed to premiere in November on Apple TV.
don't have a specific date in November yet, but November. So there you go. Hell yeah. Folks, uh, thanks for joining us. Yeah, go watch go to Deep our website, Rising. MMFTG. Yes, watch that. Go to MMFTG.com for links to all of our things, including our Patreon, which is on patreon.com slash MMFTG. Next week's movie will be Gargantua, a TV movie from 1998. Uh, it is on YouTube. Jace. And I think Jace. it's I think it's only on YouTube. I don't think anyone's bothering to charge money for it. So there you go. Until then, I have been Precious D. And I have been Honey Bee. Remember to keep calm and take shelter in basements. And please don't misuse science. We won't see you, but you will hear us next time on Monster Movie Funtime Go. Arganaga. <laughs> you've been listening to monster movie fun time go if you enjoyed the show please rate and review us on your podcasting platform of choice our theme song is by the texacato folk rock punk featuring lita lopez you can support the show find links to our social media and even leave us a voice message at anchor.fm slash mnftg